0: Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Church. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can find us on social media or visit us at harvestak.com. We pray that the message would encourage you and challenge you to grow in your faith with Jesus Christ. Enjoy the message. Uh, Today, um, we're going to continue along the lines of talking about the gifts that God has given us and uh, using those gifts to serve other people. Uh, we've been using 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, verses 10 and 11 sort of as a foundational scripture to, to describe this very thing. And I love this passage of scripture. Uh, for one thing, it includes all of us in it, without any exceptions. And then it tells us what to do. So very clear directions. Uh, it begins by saying this, that as each has received a gift, and this of course is talking to the household of God. So if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he is talking to you. It says that if you are a member, again, of God's family, then you have received a gift. Each one of us has. Now, there's always those who will raise their hand and say, well, I don't think I have a gift. But the Bible tells you that you do. Uh, so if you don't think that you have one, you simply need to discover what God has given to you. That's the reason why we're having meetings like Seek and Find. The whole purpose is for us to get in touch with the Lord, with his program, listen to him and have him reveal to our hearts what he has called us to do, what gifts he has given to us. So Jesus promised us over in the gospel of Matthew that if we seek, we will find, right? So we can do it with faith, knowing that God will respond to us and that it's pleasing to him. So each one of us has received a gift. And then it goes on to say the purpose of the gift is for us to serve other people, So oftentimes when we think of gifts that God has given to us, we think in context of ourselves. Nothing necessarily wrong with that, but we are not the purpose. We ourselves are not the purpose why God has given gifts to us. The purpose of the gift is so that we are enabled to minister to other people. Amen? It's not just so that we can somehow in some way please God with our good behavior or check off a box or accomplish something great in life. All of those things are worthy, but the main purpose, though, is so that we can reach out to other people. And in this, we reflect God Himself, don't we? The greatest example is Jesus coming to save us, right? We were on His heart and mind. And so we're simply emulating Him in it. And honestly, to use our gift to serve other people, I really believe touches on divine love. It talks about the love of God. So, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that love is not self-seeking, right? But it considers others. It puts others above itself. And I think that that's reflected here in 1 Peter chapter 4, where it tells us, hey, God gave you a gift. Now use it to serve someone, right? And the exciting thing is, is that God is showing people in this church what gifts he has given them. And some of them are starting to take steps of faith and act on it. And let me tell you, when we do understand what God has called us to do, and we start using those gifts, some of us already have, some of us are in the process, but this church will be changed and it will be a thing of great beauty. And it will be a thing that is totally unique. Amen? Because he goes on to talk about... uh, different broad categories of gifts here in First Peter, verse 11, chapter 4. He says, some speak, some serve. Well, these are very broad categories. In fact, let's imagine for just a minute that God has given me uh, a gift to speak, and he's given a gift to speak to you as well. But the way that that gift will be manifest is probably going to be different through me than it is through you, right? And vice versa. So we have these broad categories of gifts, but each one of us is unique. And so the way that that gift is expressed is going to be different, right? So there's variety. And he goes on to say that uh, we are stewards of the varied grace of God. So that word varied uh, indicates I think of a rainbow actually a spectrum of different colors. That's the way that God works through us. Each one of us will have a unique expression of God's gift, Amen. So our gifts may be similar to one another, but the way that we put them into play will be different. And I think that that's a beautiful thing, and it lends color and and uh, it's exceptional about the body of Christ. So this is our foundation we uh, acknowledge that God has given to us, to me, to you, a gift. We want to use it to serve other people, right? And so uh, last Sunday, one thing that we discovered is, is that the motivation or the heart of service is love, should be at least the love of God. Amen? It's really the reason why. It's the engine that drives everything else. It's one thing to Acknowledge, okay, I have a gift, I want to use it, but what should be my attitude? And attitude makes a difference. Would you agree with me? It makes a huge difference. I've discovered this in my studies at seminary just recently. Uh, I am required to do a lot of writing, Now, when I see that word writing, does that elicit a response of great joy in your heart? Or do you think, oh, what a horrible, onerous burden that must be? Well, for the most part, I've thought of it as a great burden, although my wife tells me, you have a gift, you should use it, you should write, you should write books. Thinking, but that is such hard work. I'm not enthused to write too much. But just this year, after all these years of studying, I finally come to the conclusion that I'm gonna change my attitude. And you know what I've started saying? I like to write. And guess what? I like to write. (laughs) So when I was approaching it, oh no, another writing assignment. I have to write another essay. I really dreaded it. It made the whole process difficult. Are you with me? And so my point is simply this. Attitude does make a difference. And we talk about attitude a lot. We call it faith, for example. But love, love should be our motivation, In Galatians 5.13, it tells us this, that we should through love, through love, serve one another. So I think of love as being the channel through which we serve. I see it being like the environment in which we're to serve. It is the purpose of why we're serving. And uh, let me just share with you an anecdote from my life, from my personal life. Uh, I think it was like a year or so before we moved to Fairbanks. I was approached by a very well-respected, mature uh, minister, and he gave me an offer that, frankly, was very hard to refuse. And I'm not saying that I did necessarily. I'll get to that in just a minute. But in other words, he offered us, to me particularly, a very... um, well, it was an attractive package. And he said, hey, I'd like for you to come and be a part of my ministry. And uh, at the time, he offered a wage that was four times greater than what we were receiving at the moment. Four times greater. So just imagine that someone approaches you and says, hey, I'd like to hire you. What are you making right now? You tell them what your annual salary is, and they say, I'll offer you four times more. Uh, would you jump at that <laughs> right? Opportunity, probably, it would at least be attractive to you, correct? You you would at least give it some thought, let's put it that way. And in reality, we would probably jump up and down with glee and instantly say, yes, 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 hire me. I'll do it right now. Where do I sign? But at any rate, uh, this opportunity, this ministry opportunity, which was really a job, but in ministry. Came with a very attractive uh, salary package. It came with lots of different benefits. It came with a position. It would have been good for me educationally. It just would have been a a very uh, good thing for us financially, etc. But uh, as attractive as it was, and it was, it glistened like gold. Uh, Inca and I determined in our heart, we're going to pray about this and see if this is what God wants us to do. So I just believe that that was the grace of God that enabled us because we just we were uh, pulling at the leash. We wanted to really say yes, but we determined no. We're going to take some time off. We're going to pray about this and see if God leads us to do it. And so we did, and we prayed earnestly. And listen, uh, it's hard to pray about things like that because your emotions are so attached, and you've got lots of thoughts buzzing around in your mind, and it's hard to just be quiet and listen to God. (laughs) Can I get a witness? Have you ever experienced that before? And you keep wondering, I wonder if this is just me thinking this or not, because sometimes it seemed like that voice was saying, yes, go for it. And then I think, well, I don't know, is that just me? Or is that God? And there was a lot of confusion. So I reached out to some of my friends, minister friends, and asked them, hey, give me some counsel. Give me some wise advice. What do we do? Here's the situation. And for the most part, there were not too many people that were willing to take that responsibility, nor should they have. You know, you don't want to take responsibility for the direction of someone else's life, right? So you can pray for them and give them wise counsel in general, but boy, I would hesitate to make that decision for someone else. So most of them just encouraged us, but one person. Uh, asked me a question that really helped me out. In fact, it helped me to come to the right uh, decision. And he said this. Now, ask yourself this question. He's talking to me. Why are you doing this? If you were to accept this proposal, why would you do it? Are you doing it just to get the benefits package? Or are you doing it because you feel truly called to that place and you truly love those people? Did you hear what I just said? So he directed me towards the love of God. Is love your motivation or is it just the large salary? And when he said that, it helped me divide, rightly divide between truth, right? And I was able to see, I don't truly feel called to that place, nor do I have an unusual love for that people. Um, the, if I was to say yes, I would be saying yes simply because I want the benefits, And I realized that's not the right motive. Are you with me? Now, thank God for great benefits. I know you're a little disappointed. I was too, but still, (laughs) right? Here's the thing though. When we are motivated by love and we're using our gift to serve others, we are essentially sowing. And if we sow, what happens? We reap, right? If we give, we receive. So when we're in tune with what God wants us to do, we will be blessed. Amen? And we'll be doing things for the right reason with the right motive. Are you listening to me? Well, Pastor David, did you just admit, especially to the whole world through the internet, that you... um, well, maybe not. Um, anyway, (laughs) did you just admit to everybody that, that you didn't passionately love those people? Listen, in a general sense, yes, but I didn't feel a particular tug towards them. And I don't want to explain that too much, but I couldn't honestly say, well, yes, that is my heart's passion. Are you listening to me? All right. So love should be the motivation. What, why am I doing this? Is it just so that I can somehow please God with my good behavior so that I can, again, check that box, uh, so that I can look good in front of people? Or am I doing it because I really love them and I care about them? Amen? And so uh, maybe if we were to honestly answer that question, we'd say, well, you know what? I'm not sure that love is motivating me. Well, here's the good news. We can grow in love. And that's basically what I want to talk about today, how we can grow in love. And uh, I think that all of us could probably say, or at least acknowledge, yeah, I could do some growing in love. That's one area that I could grow up a little bit more in. Would you agree with that? I know that I need to. <laughs> so I'll just be the first to admit it. But um, yeah, it's, it's good for us to grow in love. And here's the wonderful thing. The more we grow in love, the better able we are to serve other people. And the more gifts we will see in manifestation. I'm talking about gifts of the Spirit The more ministry gifts we'll see activated. Love is the key. Amen? And really it is the the essence of our faith. It's the reason why Jesus came in the first place. Maybe some of you will recall that famous passage of scripture, John 3, 16. For God, and here's his motive, so loved. Right? Not because he sensed obligation. Not because he was indebted to, to us, not because he just simply had to, but because he loved us, he sent Jesus. Amen? Praise God. So that's his motivation. We're just reflecting him. So here's the thing we can grow in love. And I think that all of us, all of us could stand to grow more and more and more in love. The question is how do we do this? Well, let me direct you to a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed for the believers in the city of Ephesus. So we're going to the epistle to the Ephesians, the third chapter. We're going to join the Apostle Paul in his prayer. I want you to notice that it is a prayer. So it's communication to God, and he's asking God to do something or do several things, really, for these believers. In other words, get this in your mind you can't do what he's praying about without God's help, first and foremost. He's telling you simply because it's a prayer, it clues you in, we're going to need divine help with this. It's not something that we can just produce in and of ourselves, okay? So here we go. We'll start with verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you, remember He's praying for these believers, to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. I think that probably most of us in this room today would say, hey, that's true of me. Christ does dwell in my heart through faith. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that he rose from the dead. I believe that he is alive. And if that's the case, this prayer applies to you. All right? So here we go. Christ would dwell in your heart through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. Listen, just this morning in the first sermon, I realized... What, it, what he's talking about here to be rooted and grounded in love. He's referring to what he just said, believing in Christ with your heart. When you believe in Christ with your heart, he roots and grounds you in love. It's another way to describe our great salvation. Are you with me? It's something that God does. He plants you. Amen. The Bible often refers to the righteous as a tree, and we are the planting of the Lord. Have you ever heard that expression? It comes from the Word of God. And so through faith in Christ, He dwells in our heart through faith, and He has rooted and grounded us in love. Amen? Well, it's one thing to be rooted and grounded in love. To be rooted, that speaks of foundation, it speaks of a beginning of a Genesis. It's the beginning of the journey. Are you with me? But it's certainly not the end, nor necessarily even the process. So he says, you're rooted and grounded in love. But here's the thing. He doesn't stop there. That's not the end of the story. That you may have strength to then do what? To, what does he go on to say? Comprehend. This is the Eureka moment. This is when you get what we call a revelation or something. You get illumination. you comprehend, you understand. talking about the mind, the heart, with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, the different dimensions of God's love. And to what? Know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That's interesting. You have to know the love of God, Christ, but you can't because it's greater than knowledge. <laughs> That's why this is a prayer, remember? We need divine help. We're going to have to have the Holy Spirit show it to us because otherwise it's going to be unfathomable to us. But if the Holy Spirit will show it to us and illuminate it to our hearts, we'll have a grasp, but we'll begin to see. But here's the thing. Another reason why it surpasses knowledge is because it's boundless. It's endless. It's endless. It's like space. It's like eternity. There's just no outer limit here. Amen? Amen? The love of God is greater than the Pacific Ocean. It's greater than the cosmos. It just It's like God. It's eternal. God is love. Amen? Amen. That is why His love surpasses our understanding. Amen. We see glimmers of it, and even the glimmers are good, right? Hallelujah. But it's greater than our understanding. So, we have to have his help so that we can even see his love and just get some kind of an idea of what it's like, right? So you have to have strength with all the saints to know the dimensions, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. So you're rooted and grounded in love. Great, this is a good start. We're part of the family of God. Christ dwells in our heart through faith. But now he's saying, I pray that your comprehension and your knowledge of God's love would grow. Are you listening to me? Would expand and mature. That is how we grow in love. How? Through knowledge of God's love. Amen. We grow in love the more we know about how much God loves us. But do you know how quite a few people view growth and love? They see it as doing good works. So you say, how do you grow in love? And their response is, well, I mean, I could do this and that and the other thing. All these wonderful things. They'll point to works, right? Well, here's the thing. Love does produce fruit, I think it would probably be fair to say about love the same thing that the Apostle James said about faith. Love without works is dead. It has to be accompanied by works, right? But don't mistake the root and the fruit. The root comes first. The root supports the fruit. Amen? So how do you grow... All all these good works, necessary, important, wonderful. Yes, it's an expression of love, but how do you grow in love? You grow in love through the knowledge of how God loves you, not through your own works. Are you listening to me? And here's the beautiful thing about it. The more, and this is going to be the very heart of my message. The more you know about God's love for you, the more productive you will be. Amen. Yeah, yeah. There'll just be so much more fruit than if you're just focused on doing things just to do them and somehow create a lot of energy and a lot of motion. First of all, think how much God loves you and what that entails and how He's not holding anything against you and how He forgave you so freely every one of your sins. Amen. Yeah. Praise the Lord. So, how do we grow? In love, we grow by comprehending the love of God for, for me and for you. Make it personal. I grow in love by comprehending how much Jesus loves me. <laughs> when I know that, listen, loving others will just be a natural pro- byproduct. Amen. <laughs> hey you'll just be able to do it. You'll just reflect Christ. <laughs> it's beautiful because it, it really glorifies him. So one of the first things that we should know about the love of Christ for us are what I call, and I believe even the Word of God refers to them as such, the commandments of love. For example, if I was to ask you, what is the great commandment? How would you respond to that question? How would you answer? What would you say? Well, let me help because we don't have time for everybody to reply, but probably you would say something like this. Well, here's the great commandment that you love the Lord your God with all of your, are you ready? Heart, Take a deep soul. breath. breath. <gasps> Heart, soul, mind—you know all this, all these different dimensions of your being—and that you love your neighbors, yourself. Am I right? right. Would that be probably the typical response? Correct. Right. But here's the thing: even your Bible uh, is divided into what's called the Old Testament and the New Testament. We know that there's an old covenant. Sometimes. Uh, The law that that governed the old covenant is called the law of Moses. And then there's a new covenant, correct? And the blood of Jesus. We celebrated it this morning in communion, right? He said, this cup is the blood of the new covenant. That's what Jesus said when he instated the Lord's Supper, right? So we understand at least that there's an old and new. And so when you ask many believers who I think, or probably, I'm just being facetious, but they are in the new covenant today, but you ask them, what is the great commandment? They'll give you the great commandment as dictated by the Mosaic law, by the law of Moses. Are you listening to me? Yeah. And so the question I'm posing you today, to you today is this, do we have a new commandment that's in force in the new covenant that has been ratified, not by the blood of bulls and goats, but by the blood of Jesus and is there any difference between the two? I'm going to show you the difference. And listen, it's going to, I like to say, it's going to bless your socks off and back on again. You ready? But first and foremost, let me show you the great commandment. And, and the reason why most new covenant believers today would say, well, the great commandment is you love God with all of your all of those different things, and then you love your neighbors yourself, right? Let's see why they would say that. Probably because we see Jesus talking about that in the Gospels, right? But when Jesus was ministering here on earth, clearly he had not yet gone to the cross. Am I right? right. On the timeline, had he? Had he shed his blood on the cross? Not when he was still ministering in the flesh, and I'm talking before the cross, obviously right? He had not yet risen from the dead. So in other words, the new covenant has not yet been fully instated. He has come to do this and accomplish the will of God and fulfill the law for us, right? And so keep that in mind when you read in the ministry of Jesus, the words he say, said have to be taken in that kind of context. And then you have to pay attention to who is he speaking and what the whole idea of the conversation is, right? You Ready? Here we go. So, there's three primary places in the Bible that we get this idea of the great commandment from. The first, I'm just going to choose because it's the first gospel is Matthew 22 22, chapter 22, and we will read from verse 34. I'm going to point out some things here that will help us understand what's being said. And if it doesn't make sense to you at first, it will by the time I'm finished, okay? Because that's my gift. I'm going to serve you in love with that gift. (laughs) Okay, here we go. But when the Pharisees, Pharisees, well acquainted with the law of Moses, their main claim to fame was that they adhered to the Torah, right? Keep in mind who his audience is. Heard that he had silenced the Sadducees. Very gleeful about this. These two groups were in opposition. They hated each other, so they're happy that he (laughs) soundly defeated the Sadducees. They gathered together, one of them, a lawyer. Now, this is not a divorce attorney. This is a man who's an expert in the law of Moses. Amen? That is what he's interested in, but here's the thing he knows every word, okay? He knows every letter, and he's very well acquainted. So, He's going to ask Christ a question. Keep in mind, he is an audience of one. He is the one to whom Christ will respond. Pay attention to his question. Are you listening to me? All right. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, listen, listen, please pay attention to his question. What is the great commandment in the law? He's talking about the old covenant law of Moses. He's not asking about a new commandment or a new covenant because he has no concept of such a thing. It hasn't been instated yet. Christ has not yet shed his blood on the cross. He hasn't risen from the dead. He hasn't ascended into heaven, correct? Correct. So he's asking a a direct question uh, specifically about the law of Moses. Am I right? And so uh, Jesus answers this man's question. He doesn't lead him off into some... Uh, weird uh, sixth dimension or something like that. He directly answers, honestly, fairly, directly answers the man's question. What's the great commandment in the law? Okay. He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Hence we get the concept of the great commandment. Second is like it. You shall love your neighbors yourself. On these two commandments depend what? All of the what? Law Law and? Prophets, right? So we're talking, definitely talking in context of the Old Testament. Are you still with me? The man asked a question about the law. Jesus answered his direct question. Jesus quoted the law of Moses. He wasn't speaking ad hoc here. He wasn't coming up with this on the fly. He quoted scripture. Are you with me? He does not say this is a new commandment. It's not a new commandment. It's hundreds of years old. Are you with me? And so the man wanted to know, distill for me, please, the law of Moses. Jesus does. Love God, love your neighbor. Amen? But this is all in context of the old covenant and the law of Moses. Mm -hmm. Do you get where I'm going? All right. Praise God for for Rebecca. Okay, next. (laughs) Or as Reuben says, Becky. I don't know which one to say, but anyway. Next episode, Mark 12th chapter. One of the scribes, I'm reading from verse 28. One of the scribes, similar to a lawyer. What does this mean? The man copied out by hand the law of God. He literally is acquainted with every letter in the law. Hence, we get the phrase, the letter of the law, because they used to copy it out by hand, Nathan. It's very difficult, but boy, would you know the law. Am I right? So again, an expert in the law. One of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment? He's not asking about the new covenant. He has no concept of the new covenant, right? When he says commandment, he's talking about the law of Moses is the most important of all. And Jesus answered, and again, he responds from scripture. I'm not going to read all that, but he says, there's no other commandment greater than these, to love the Lord, love one's neighbor. And uh, the scribe said to him, you're right, teacher. He acknowledged that he had answered correctly according to the law. Remember, this man can hardly ask a question outside of the context of the law. It's his whole world. It's the way he thinks. It's what he works on every day. He's asking a question about the law, and Jesus simply answers his question. Are you still with me? Okay, so we call this the great commandment. I'm simply pointing out to you that just because Jesus said these words does not necessarily mean this is the law of the new covenant, or that it's a new commandment because it's not. It is not new. Are you listening? Thank you. Thank you for listening. Got to quit saying that. I believe you're listening. I'll just accept it by faith, Nathan. And so Jesus even makes this comment. You're not far from the kingdom of heaven. He makes that comment. But listen, not being far and being in totally different things. Praise God, you're not far, but you are not yet in. Can't talk to you about a new covenant and a new commandment yet because you're not in. And he didn't know that the door was standing right in front of him. I'm talking about the scribe. Here he is, Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Right? So here's the door. The guy doesn't realize it. But the man was literally not too far from the kingdom of heaven. glory. So how does Jesus answer his question? He quotes Old Testament scripture. So far, nothing new. He's just answering people's questions accurately, right? One more because I have to convince you, right? In the mouth of two (laughs) or three witnesses, I like three if I can get them. I'm sorry, the Lord sent me here. It's not my fault that I'm your pastor. Okay. (laughs) 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 <laughs> it's just the way my mind works. I can't help it. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Luke 10. Here's one more quick <laughs> illustration of this. All right. But, but, but seriously, if you ask believers today, what is the great commandment that we live by today? What will they do? They'll quote the law of Moses to you. Most of them. Behold, a lawyer, again a lawyer, stood up to put him to the test, again. (laughs) Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now here Jesus switches things up a little bit. He said to the lawyer, what is written in the law? I love it, but what is Jesus' question? Not, hey, why don't you uh, formulate a new uh, commandment, because I'm getting ready to, you know, kick off a new covenant. You're a lawyer, you're an expert in the law, help me out. What would be a good commandment for the new covenant? He doesn't ask him that. He asked the man, what does the law say? The law of Moses. Been in existence for hundreds of years. Thousands, I believe. How do you read it? The man said, well, love the Lord your God. Here it is again, with all your heart, soul, strength, mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He said to him, you've answered correctly. What was Jesus' question To know if the answer is correct, you got to know the question, right? Jesus says, what does the law say? The man told him what the law said. Jesus said, that's right. That is what the law says. Did he say this is a new uh, covenant commandment? Not a word about that, did he? He simply affirmed that's what the law says. That's right. Amen. That's the whole point of the law, right? Uh, Do this, you will live. So, I wonder... If there is a passage of Scripture in the Gospels, in the ministry of Jesus, where Jesus gets off of the Mosaic law track and gets onto some new, fresh track, is there? And I'm here to tell you, there certainly is. And yet, so few of us are aware of it at all. And we definitely don't call it the great commandment for some reason. Although what I'm about to show you is indeed a new commandment for the new covenant. And it applies to you and me today. Amen. Amen. Wait, well, I believe, I, I, I too admire the law. I revere the law. It is holy. It's God's word. Amen. Amen. It was given to reveal to us the character of God, his righteousness, his holiness, to show us the way that we ought to live. And yet the weakness was actually our weakness in that we could not perform it. It showed us what we should do, but it couldn't empower us to actually do it. Thus God instated the new covenant that fills us with the power of the Holy Ghost. And now I have power, amen, to live for God. So (laughs) what role does the law of Moses take today? It's doing the same thing it always did. It's showing us who God is, who we are, that we fall short, and we need a Savior. Woo, wait a minute. Print that on a t-shirt, please. (laughs) If you're asking for a quote from the sermon, there it is. About the law, that is. Right? That's the purpose of the law. But I wonder if there is a new commandment of love given to new covenant people that applies to us directly today. Well, let me show it to you. It's John chapter 13 and verse 34. Now, thankfully, there is a blessed shortness to this new law. (laughs) We don't have to take a huge, giant gulp of air and say, you must love God with (gasps) all of your heart, soul, strength. It's much shorter. So that's the good news. John 13, 34. Now, Jesus is not... Talking here to scribes and lawyers and Pharisees. He has a different audience. He's speaking to his own. I'm going to call them God's flock. Different. His disciples. Audience. Totally different. Right? And listen to what he says. The very words he begins with. He's not going to comment on the law of Moses. Hmm? A new commandment. Listen, here is a very amazing revelation. It's not new unless it's new. (laughs) It's not new if it's the same as the old, otherwise it would be old. I want that on a coffee mug, please. (laughs) A new commandment means a new commandment. It's new. It's different than the old one. Right? So let's read the new commandment of love and see if there's any difference between it and the law of Moses commandment to love. Here it is. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I've loved you. You also sort are of to love one another. And then he goes on to say, that is an indication that you're my disciples. But that's not part of the commandment. So he repeats twice, love others, love one another. So if we remove one of those, we could say this. Here's the shortened version. As Christ loves me, so love I you. Or so I love you. Christ loves me, I love you. That's the new covenant, commandment of love. Question Again, is it different from the Mosaic version? Yes. Answer, quite a bit. What is missing, if you will? What is not present in the new covenant commandment of love that was present in the Mosaic law? Here it is, and it's startling. Are you ready? Fasten your seatbelts. This is going to be a ride. There's no mention of loving God. there isn't. I know I just shocked you, but read it. Is there? You got to read it for yourself. A new commandment I give you that you love one another. He repeats that twice. Just as I have loved you. So listen, he doesn't command us to love God here with all of our strength, soul, might. That's missing. And then he just goes on. And so we're puzzled. Why is like the most important part not here, right? But here's the beauty of this. What is here that was not present in the Mosaic version? God's love for you. I hope that shook you to your very core. That's what's here. God's love for you. Moses said, you love God. Jesus says, I love you. So you oh, love. Mm, come on. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, my little microphone flew off. I got so excited. <laughs> this is like feeding me candy, brother. That makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> Glory to God. So <laughs> here's, the, here's the deal. No need to command it. Why? Because if you know how much God loves you, how much and strongly and full and complete is the love of Christ for you, loving God, it's not even an issue. You will love God. You don't need to be commanded to love him. When you look at the cross and see the price that was paid for you, your natural response is, I do love you. Thank you. Amen. You end up loving God so much more than when you're commanded to do it, right? Right? So what was the problem in the law? It could regulate outward actions, behaviors, that sort of thing, but it didn't really touch on inner motivation. Love God. So how did they do it? They did it their best by just obeying the law and trying to do everything that God said, right? But I think that God is after something more. I think that he's after your heartfelt love that comes from the very core of your being, not just outer adherence to rules. Are you listening to me? So here in my estimation is not only the new commandment, but the great commandment. God loves me. I love others. And here's another beautiful thing about this. I love it. It's the wisdom of God. When you know how much God loves you and has forgiven you and accepts you, loving other people gets a whole lot easier. (laughs) Hey, man, that's what empowers us to love other people. When I'm struggling to love some people, a certain number of people that are very close to me in my life, um, my wife will often tell me, (laughs) remember how much Christ has forgiven you? (laughs) 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 Yes. (laughs) Well, maybe you should forgive him. Oh, yeah, maybe I should, you know. (laughs) And of course, I grumble about it, but then in time I realize, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. I mean, amen. Jesus forgave me everything. There was no stone unturned. He forgave every single sin, period, in its entirety. So yeah, I can forgive someone else for just one thing that they did wrong to me, right? Praise God. What are the differences? This commandment focuses on God's love for you, and then you reflect it to others. Amen? Amen. Amen. No need to command you now to love God. It's just natural. It's just natural. I read one time a a little excerpt from a book written by E.W. Kenyon, and he said this. Actually, he said it about faith, but it applies to love. And he said, imagine this, a mother and her child... Can you imagine how unnatural it would be if the mother was constantly telling the child, you better believe mommy, you must believe me. Do you believe me? Now confess that you believe me. Do you confess that you believe me? Say it all the time. Constantly be saying that you believe me. It's unnatural. It's unnecessary. The child does trust her, hopefully, if she's a trustworthy individual. Amen? Wouldn't it be unnatural if you found a mother or a father constantly saying to the child, you better love me. I mean, I'm commanding you to love me. You need to love me. You should love me more. You should, you know. They just demonstrate love to the child and it's reflected back, ideally. Amen? It's not something that can be forced. And so how do we grow in love, friends? We're back to the beginning. We grow in knowledge of Christ's love for us. What is the... I love this. Here's a commandment for you. Here's your command. Understand how much Jesus loves you. (laughs) Do you see how that all of a sudden yoke is easy and that burden is very light? Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Praise God. That's what Jesus promised to us. He said, listen, you're heavy laden. You're burdened. You're tired. Come to me and I'll make it even worse. No, come to me. (laughs) you'll find comfort and rest, didn't he? But so many believers actually think that. You come to Christ, it'll get worse. But he's saying, no, you come to Christ because they'll take the law and say, and then what Jesus did is he made it a whole lot worse. It's like, well, (laughs) we couldn't fulfill it back in the olden days and now it's even worse. (laughs) So here's the thing, he fulfilled it for us. That's another aspect of his love and said, you know what? I did this for you. Here's my gift to you. It's called righteousness. You know what that means? You're innocent before the law. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. And it's a gift that Jesus gave you. Oh man, we have to talk about that more in this church. Amen. We hear terms like that, righteousness, and it's Sounds highfalutin and all this, we can't grasp it. It's saying that you're innocent before the law of God. Jesus gave it to you as a gift. Amen. Yeah. You, mm-hmm. Amen. Hallelujah. So if you ask me what the great commandment is, I'm going to say the great commandment is this. Jesus loves you, you love others. Hallelujah. The other things that I read to you are the law of Moses. But thank God that Jesus said, I'm giving you a new commandment. It's new. It's for us. Hallelujah. So if you don't mind, the way I want to end our service today, I want to pray Ephesians chapter 3 over all of us. Um, We're asking God, Lord show us your love, help us to understand it, help us to know it. We need the Holy Spirit's help to do that. So will you agree with me as I read this prayer? This is a scriptural prayer. Um, Agree with this. And you know what? When we ask anything according to God's will, he hears us and we know that we will receive what we ask. So when we pray scripture, I believe God's listening, he hears and he answers affirmatively. So this is going to happen. We're going to grow in knowledge of Christ's love. Hallelujah. So I just pray this over myself and, and over you all. Hallelujah. Lord, we bow the knees of our hearts before you, before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, He would grant, I'm just going to say this generally, to Harvest Church, but I mean all of you here. To be strengthened with power through His Spirit in our inner beings, so that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith. That we, those of us sitting here today in this church, being rooted and grounded in love, would have strength to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height that we all would know. Help us, Lord, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. And then join me in worshiping him. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, To Him be glory in the church, in this church. Amen? Just tell Him, Lord, I glorify You. Hallelujah. And in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to like, subscribe, and share it out across social media. If you'd like to know more about Harvest Church, you can visit us at harvestak.com. Thanks again for joining us. God bless.